the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. This morning, as we return to our study of Acts chapter 20, we are continuing to look at one of the most significant goodbyes, farewells found anywhere in Scripture. I'm referring to the Apostle Paul's farewell to the elders of the church at Ephesus, the passage that I read to you just a few moments ago. And the significance of Paul's farewell address is heightened by the fact that it is the only address given by an apostle to a Christian audience found anywhere in the book of Acts. There's no other speech, there's no other message, there's no other address quite like this. All the others are either evangelistic or they are a defense legally before Jewish or Roman authorities. So this is very significant. to today's verse-by-verse radio program featuring the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. Yes, goodbyes are hard, especially when it is a permanent farewell, such as this farewell the Apostle Paul is giving to the Ephesian elders. The instructions Paul gave to these spiritual leaders of the churches in Ephesus are very important. Those pastors and their congregations would soon be facing troublesome time. And Paul wanted to make sure they were prepared and that they would be able to prepare their flocks. There have always been troublesome times throughout history. So this address Paul gave also applies to us today, whether we are pastors or not. As we begin our session today, I would encourage you to ask God to enlighten your heart so you can hear what he has for you today. And now let's listen as Pastor Steve brings us God's word. One of the hardest things in life is to say goodbye to someone you love. It may be the goodbye of a spouse to their dying partner. It may be the goodbye of a parent to their child going off to college for the first time. It may be the goodbye of grandparents to grandchildren who are returning to their home in another part of the country or perhaps even another part of the world. But regardless of the exact reason for goodbyes, they're just very difficult. They're usually very sad. They're usually very emotional experiences because it's just painful to be separated from someone you love, even if that separation is only temporary. This morning, as we return to our study of Acts chapter 20, we are continuing to look at one of the most significant goodbyes, farewells found anywhere in Scripture. I'm referring to the Apostle Paul's farewell to the elders of the church at Ephesus, the passage that I read to you just a few moments ago. And the significance of Paul's farewell address is heightened by the fact that it is the only address given by an apostle to a Christian audience found anywhere in the book of Acts. 
There's no other speech, there's no other message, there's no other address quite like this. All the others are either evangelistic or they are a defense legally before Jewish or Roman authorities. So this is very significant. And like many farewells, this one too is sad, it's emotional, it was painful, because as I told you last week, Paul made it very clear to these men that this would be the last time on earth they would see him. And it deeply saddened them to the point that when Paul finished speaking, that we read that they wept aloud and they repeatedly kissed him. We read this in verses 36 through 38 of Acts 20. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and then they were accompanying him to the ship, and then Paul left. Now, the reason The reason that Paul was even meeting with these men is because knowing that this would be his last opportunity to be with them and knowing that troublesome times would soon come upon this church, the apostle wanted to give them as leaders of the church, and they are the pastors of the church, he wanted to give them important instruction on how they should shepherd the flock in his absence. And that's really what this is all about. And so, His farewell address is structured in such a way that Paul first reminds them about how he served the Lord when he was with them for the past three years. And then secondly, he exhorts them on how they are to serve the Lord knowing that he won't be around to give them guidance. You see, Paul's farewell address really contains all the guidance that they will need to shepherd the church. And this is why Paul's words, folks, why they're so important, because in speaking about how he served the Lord, he gave these men, and he has given us a model to follow, a model for life, a model for ministry, for service, and in telling the elders how they should serve the Lord, Paul has given critical instruction on the priorities of a pastor. As I told you last week, this is why this passage is so meaningful to me personally, and I've been waiting many, many years to finally go through this, because for almost 40 years, the apostles' divinely inspired words have helped to shape and to define my pastoral ministry, and when a pastor understands what God wants him to do, well, frankly, the whole church, the entire church benefits. Now, as we discovered last Sunday, Paul began his farewell address by telling the Ephesian elders, number one, how he served the Lord while he was with them. And so the passage opens up in verse 17, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, he called to him the elders of the church. When they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now, there are certain things Paul reminds these men about concerning the time that he spent with them in the church when he was in Ephesus. First, he wants them to remember that during the three years he was with them, what he was doing was serving the Lord. That's what he tells us. And what's so significant about this is that this word that Paul uses for serving, it's related to the Greek word for a slave. So in essence, what the apostle is telling these elders is that when he was with them, he was with them as Christ's slave. And he was doing those things that pleased his master, his, his Lord. 
And this is really where all ministry begins. It begins by acknowledging that you do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to anyone but Christ. You have been purchased by him. You have been purchased by his blood. And as a result, you are his slave. Therefore, your only consideration is to find out what his will is, which is revealed in the word of God, and then just do it. But listen closely, because being a slave of Christ involves serving him in some very specific, particular, definite ways. And Paul explains what those ways are by spelling out that there were certain attitudes that characterized his service for Christ. And so after making this very broad and general statement about serving the Lord, being his slave, Paul states that his service was marked by three particular attitudes— Now keep in mind that the reason Paul mentions these attitudes is because he wants the Ephesian elders to follow him by emulating these same attitudes in their service. And of course it applies really to all of us, especially those of us who are in leadership positions in the church. Now this is how Paul's words benefit us today. They're not irrelevant, they're very relevant because the way Paul served Christ 2,000 years ago, that's the same principle, the same way that we are to serve him today. Now the first attitude he tells us marked his service was, and we went over this last week, I'm just reiterating this, just reminding you, was humility. Humility. In verses, um, in verse 19 he says, serving the Lord with all humility. And we spent a good deal of time last Sunday addressing this issue of humble service simply because it is such a relevant relevant subjects since there are so many Christians today who demonstrate very little humility in their service for Christ. And that's often true of Christian pastors and church leaders who tend to allow their higher education, their speaking skills, their popularity, their positions of authority to deceive them into thinking that they're better than other people who don't have those skills, who don't have that education and so forth. But Paul wasn't like that. As intellectually brilliant as Paul was, as highly educated as he was, as greatly used by the Lord as he was, he didn't see himself as superior to anyone else, but simply as an undeserving sinner who was not only saved by grace, but by God's grace, he was privileged to serve other people to serve the church. And that's exactly how our service should be. We are, all of us, to be humble servants, esteeming others more important than ourselves. This is why Jesus said that the greatest in his kingdom are those who are humble like little children and those who serve others. Now, the second attitude Paul says marked his service was tears. Verse 19 goes on to say, serving the Lord with all humility and with all tears. And by tears, Paul is simply reminding these men of how much he cared for them when he was with them, how much he cared for the people of the church. He cared so much for their spiritual welfare that it caused him to just weep at the thought that they might not obey the Lord. He literally wept tears. It's exactly what should characterize our service. We ought to care so much for those that we are ministering to that it should actually bring us emotional pain, if not outward tears, certainly inward emotional pain when we see that they are straying from obeying Christ. 
Third attitude, Paul says, marked his service was trials, meaning trials that came as a result of being persecuted because of the gospel. And so we read in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me, Paul said, through the plots of the Jews. Now, a trial really isn't an attitude. It's not an attitude, but rather something that happens to us, something, frankly, that's out of our control. But what we are in control of is how we respond to trials, how we respond to difficulties, the attitude with which we respond to these challenges. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about how we respond. He's referring to his attitude when he was persecuted for the sake of the gospel. See, the reason that Paul reminds these elders about his trials and the attitude with which he responded to them is because he wants to impress upon them the great truth that in spite of all kinds of challenges, all kinds of difficulties that he faced while he was with them in Ephesus, these trials did not stop him from serving the Lord. Paul would allow nothing, not even threats, on his life to keep him from aggressively ministering for Christ. He was resolute to continue helping the people of this church regardless of the obstacles that he faced concerning persecution. And from this point on, watch this, from this point on until verse 28, when he starts to charge these elders to carry out their own pastoral responsibilities, Paul illustrates... That's what he's going to do in the next few verses. He's going to illustrate how tenaciously he carried on his ministry to the people of Ephesus without letting these trials derail him. And folks, in telling us about his steadfast endurance in serving the Lord, even during difficult times, Paul has given us such an important truth to learn, which he illustrated, frankly, by his own life. He is the illustration. That truth being that we must never let anything distract us from serving Christ, not even difficult trials. See, we all have trials, don't we? Obviously, we know that. We all have trials. But those trials threaten to discourage us from serving the Lord. Sometimes these trials are in the form of conflicts with other people, disappointments with people you thought more highly of, Christians who hurt you deeply. Sometimes these trials are financial in nature. Sometimes these trials are in the form of physical illnesses. Sometimes these trials are persecutions from unbelievers that threaten to intimidate us. But regardless of what your trial or trials might be, you must never quit ministering to others. You don't have that option. You don't have that luxury as a slave of Jesus Christ. You must be, I must be, like Paul, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And what's the key to doing this? Well, it's seeing yourself as you really are, as God says you are. You are a slave of Christ so that you're simply doing his bidding and you in the process, and this is critical to understand this, you are forgetting about yourself in terms of being overly concerned. One of the biggest concerns I have with the whole coronavirus is that it has encouraged us as a culture to become self-absorbed and fearful. 
to the point that we're not thinking about others like we should. We're not thinking about their needs as much as we should because we tend to be overly concerned about trying to figure out how to stay safe and healthy. Now, I would never, never encourage anyone to foolishly be reckless with their health, but I would encourage, and I am encouraging all of us, including myself, to never lose sight of the fact that we as followers of the Lord Jesus, we are called to serve and love others, and that doesn't stop because there's a virus out there. It just doesn't stop. Now today, as we continue working our way through Paul's farewell address, we see that after telling the elders from the church at Ephesus that he served the Lord with trials, Paul immediately reveals how in spite of those trials, he continued to minister to the church. And in doing so, he tells us about something else that characterized his service for Christ, and that is he was diligent and bold in preaching the word of God. Notice verse 20 as we continue. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Now Paul states that in light of the many trials he endured at the hands of the unsaved Jewish community in Ephesus, it did not cause him to shrink back or the thought is withdraw from declaring everything that benefited the people of the church that he was ministering to. In other words, even though he constantly faced dangers, he boldly proclaimed the word of God and he held back nothing but taught the people everything they needed to grow in godliness, to grow in their walk with the Lord. And and he explains that his fearless preaching took place in two venues, two locations. The first is that he said he taught the Ephesians publicly. By that, I take it that he's referring to the afternoon lectures he gave for two years in the school of a man by the name of Tyrannus, as well as the weekly church services in Ephesus. Secondly, he says that he taught the Ephesians house to house, which means that he visited the homes of the people of the church and he taught them in their own homes. In other words, the truths that he proclaimed to them on Sundays in public, he helped them to understand and to personally apply to their lives by coming alongside of them in the privacy of their own homes and teaching them there. Now, what Paul is reminding these elders of is that his service to the Lord was marked by bold teaching, bold preaching, teaching and preaching that refused to be intimidated by persecution. That is to say, he's letting them know that he did not allow persecution to weaken his teaching so that he was afraid to tell the church what the church needed to hear. He told them everything that was profitable for them, meaning what? Meaning he gave them a well-balanced diet of the word of God. Now, why would Paul feel compelled to tell these men about his approach to teaching. It's because he wants them to follow his example. That's what this is all about. So that they, as pastors of the church, will continue teaching the congregation the word of God in an uncompromising way that refuses to be intimidated by anything. See, Paul understood the temptation. He got it. He understood the temptation these men would face to back off from strong teaching out of fear. 
This seems to be indicated by the fact that he mentions pretty much the same thing about his teaching again in verse 27. He's reiterating this truth because he wants them to get it. Notice verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now listen closely. There are two important principles to learn from Paul's diligent and bold teaching of the Ephesians. One principle pertains to pastors as teachers, and one principle pertains to the members of a local church as those who listen to pastors. So first, first principle. First, for those of us who are called to teach the Word of God, the principle is that in serving the Lord, we must be committed to teaching the entire Bible in a way that does not water down, tone down, or dilute in any way its powerful truths. And I say that because there are many pastors today who do not, sadly, tragically, do not follow Paul's example of teaching because they're just afraid to preach certain biblical truths that might upset some in their congregation. Or they fail to proclaim certain truths out of fear of being looked upon by unsaved people as being ignorant, foolish, out of step with their culture, outdated, unscientific, stuff like that. So out of fear, they refuse to preach about certain sins. In fact, there are some preachers, some who are very well known, who don't speak about sin at all. In addition, they fail to teach their people such important truths as the necessity of church discipline, divine election, biblical prophecy, they don't want to get into that, speaking in tongues as a sign gift that ceased in the first century, they don't want to talk about that, or they refuse to upset anyone by talking about hell and other unpleasant doctrines. Many years ago, when I was preaching through the book of Romans, I had a conversation with a a pastor who told me that he could never preach Romans to his people. He would just never even try that. I think what he meant is that Romans, the book of Romans is so theologically deep that his people, he felt, would have a hard time handling all of its truths. Now, frankly, that baffled me back then, and it still baffles me. Because if you're a pastor, then you have been called by God to feed your people the word of God, including the theologically deep parts. I mean, it's a pastor's job to take the deep things of God and help his people understand them by presenting them in easy-to-grasp ways. We take the profound truths of Scripture, and and we we don't simplify it, but we express it in ways that are sometimes a little simpler to understand than if you were reading a very technical commentary. So that's what pastors do. That's what they're supposed to do. They explain. That's what teaching is. It's explaining truth so that their people will grow in their understanding of God and learn how he wants them to think and live. And by neglecting to teach like this, pastors do their people a grave disservice because they are holding back truths that they need to know. Truths that Christ wants his people to know. And what is it that causes a pastor to do this? It is the fear of man. It is being afraid of how people will react to such teaching and what people might think of them. That's the bottom line. 
Proverbs 29 verse 25 states, the fear of man brings a snare. A snare is a trap. That's exactly right. That's certainly true for pastors who have allowed the fear of man to trap them into holding back from their people certain truths from the word that they need to hear, truths that are beneficial for them. This is why it's so important for pastors to recognize that they are nothing more than slaves of Jesus Christ. And as his slave, they just don't have the luxury of choosing what to preach from the word and what not to preach from the word. We're ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador has only one job. Tell the people what the king told you to tell the people. Don't change the message at all. So if you're a pastor, then you are to do as Paul did. You are to hold back nothing, to teach everything for the benefit of your people. And if you get criticized, and you will, then you get criticized. It goes with the territory. But even if you're criticized, there is great satisfaction in knowing that you have pleased the one who called you to preach his word. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Since we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we have one job, to tell those around us what the king has said in his word. Again, the main thrust of what the Apostle Paul had to say was for pastors. But when Pastor Steve said that a pastor's job was to teach their people, I thought of several applications for those of us who are not pastors. Parents and grandparents, you have a tremendous responsibility to teach your children and grandchildren scriptural truths that will prepare them for life. I'm sure you can think of many other applications as well. However, we are running out of time, so let me encourage you to join us tomorrow for the next session of Verse by Verse, and invite a friend to listen also. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.